Welcome back. This seems to be a uh, weekly thing. I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm feeling the lives lately. I'm feeling the lives. So if you feel it, you might as well do it. That's kind of what I feel like. Been burnt out with some other stuff. So, dude, I'm going to hit the lives up right now. Today, we're going to be going over questions that I have got on Instagram. And instead of doing like one podcast on each one, I'm going to go through each one of them kind of in one podcast because I think they're all like related topics or they kind of all flow together or they wouldn't be long enough for a one podcast. So questions at the end, if you have any questions, put them in the old chat box and I will get to them. So number one, the number one question and one I get uh, pretty frequently from people especially when they get done with a long through hike or even just a multi-day hike is post hike depression. And how would you define post hike depression? So I guess in my mind, what post hike depression is, is when you go out and you do this huge thing, you come back, you ride a high for about two weeks and anybody that is doing their first through hike, I guess this is going to be kind of what the 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 flow of it will look like you do your hike you get back you complete it it's been on your mind for forever and you're going to ride this high for about two weeks two to three weeks after that two to three week period where everything is great because you are getting running water again you can sleep in your own bed da 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 you're going to go back into maybe a little bit lower than baseline uh a little bit lower of a baseline happiness level than when you went into your through hike in the first place. And simply because that through hike to me in my mind was like, it was like a, it was like a drug, right? So when you get that drug, you go up and then when you come back down, your baseline is going to be increased or, or it's going to be decreased the decrease in happiness, right? So what I'm basically trying to say is after that two to three weeks, you're back from the through hike, you will then uh, start to experience kind of a di- a dip in passion, a dip in uh, a, a dip in happiness. So what do you do? And it's pretty normal, right? You just did this huge thing that you've planned for months and months and months, and you come back, and now you're back in the real world, right? So how do you get through that? So I knew that this was going to occur, especially after the JMT. I knew this was going to occur, and actually. My ex-girlfriend even texted me when I was, well, we were dating at the time. She even texted me after, I the day I got done, she was like, I hope you don't get <laughs> depressed after this, right? And I was like, well, that was kind of a weird thing to say, right? But number one, I, I said, you know, I have enough things to keep me occupied that I don't think that'll be a problem. And that's really kind of what I did. So before I was even off trail, I made sure that I had different goals in my mind that I could reach to when I got off of trail. So I think that is hugely, hugely important to get rid of some of that, uh, some of that depression when you get back off of trail. And the reason is because you actually have somewhere to go. You have a, you have an aiming point, right? And so having that goal kind of gives you a little carrot where you can reach to. What I would recommend is getting into researching that new trail right away. Start researching it, plan for it. I know it's probably a year out, but 
just dive right into it, find as much info as you can and just go from there and, and run out on it. But super, super important to have another goal in mind. It doesn't have to be through hiking either. It's, it can be anything that you really want, but having that other goal. So when you are on trail, especially when you are nearing your end point on trail, this is something that you need to have going through your head. What are going to, what is going to be my next thing to do? Okay. And I think that really solves a lot of the post trail depression in my mind. Another thing, uh, you know, a lot of times when it, this will really kick up too in the winter. And so having some sort of a winter sport is great too, to kind of keep your mind off of it and stay in the outdoors. But again, I would just say that having that new goal in mind is going to be probably the number one key for, for the post hike depression. What else you can do though, and this is what a lot of uh, the people that I know, at least in this kind of industry has said is they created a podcast or they created videos to basically have that cathartic feeling from it or, and, or talk about other people that are in a similar situation. Right? So for me, like that, what that looked like was creating a bunch of videos with the content that I got. So I was basically reliving my hike over again when I was editing these videos, which was awesome. People that start a podcast, they, they talk with like-minded people that are, you know, in the same exact position as them. And so it, it kind of normalizes it because oftentimes when you're in this post-trail depression episode, you really feel like you're the only one that's you, you're the only one that's going through it. And you can't really talk about it with someone that hasn't been on trail per se. Right. So if you try to talk about it with someone that isn't a through hiker or hasn't had that experience before, it's going to be pretty hard for them to relate and, and, or give you advice on it. So talking with other people that have went through it, talk with, cause I'm guaranteeing you're going to make a ton of friends on trail. Right. So talking about it with them is, is key, key, key. Another thing that you can do is probably subscribe to my podcast on YouTube. <laughs> okay, we got that one out of the way. Number two, we have lightning at high elevations. I don't really know what the question, um, th that's just kind of what they said, lightning at high elevations. So I think they just wanted me to talk about it. But I am not a lightning expert by any means, by any means. But I did get quite an experience with it on the Colorado Trail. And so conventional wisdom with lightning is get as low as possible, right? So you, you want to make sure that you are, if you have a pass that you're going over, this is particularly relevant if you're going to be hiking the John Muir Trail or the Colorado Trail or anything that is going to put you above Alpine. But one of your main strategies, and you'll, you'll get this, you know, a few days in, but one of your main strategies will be to crest those high passes early in the day because a lot of these summer hikes, occasionally it's going to storm in the afternoon. On the CT, it stormed every afternoon. Same with the JMT, actually. But I hear that that's relatively uncommon, I guess. I'm not quite sure. Either way, even if it doesn't storm, you want to be over there early enough so it's not hot as hell either. So that's another tip. But as far as lightning goes, you want to get as low as possible. You don't want to be on the high passes. You'll start seeing indications of a storm, right? So what does that look like? When, when you wake up in the morning, usually it's blue skies. And then all of a sudden, you know, the cumulus clouds start building. 
They start building, they start building, they get puffier, they get puffier, they get puffier. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's pretty much black on the horizon and it's basically coming straight for you. Clear indication that you're going to be in trouble. When you, if you are stuck in those high points, right? So in those Alpine areas, try to descend as fast as you can. Now, again, I am not a lightning expert, so this is just what I do. I try to descend as fast as I can and or uh, try to get into some trees or or into some cover. Now, you don't want to be under the tallest tree in the, in the canopy. You want to be next to some low trees, and you should be okay there. You can also do what's called the lightning crouch, which is basically getting on the balls of your feet, and you're doing something with your arms or something, but basically you're lessening contact with the ground in case lightning was to travel through the ground Hopefully it doesn't uh, pick up you on your body. So I had to actually do that on the CT on my second to last day when I was under a tree. I was getting so wet and soaked from the rain, but I was lightning crouching. There was lightning and thunder all over, and it was it's very scary. I mean, it's not fun, but at least you're not on a metal bike like a uh, like some of those bike packers, you know. <laughs> Number three, someone wanted to just. Uh, talk about uncomfortable nights and days on trail. And the truth is basically I would say every day and night is kind of uncomfortable on the trail for um, whatever first in, in some way, I think, I don't think we really, a lot of people through hike or do backpacking or anything like that really to be comfortable. <laughs> some people do for me. I like to push my body and try to see how far I can get during the day. And yeah, so usually the worst days though, for me, if I had to pick what are the most uncomfortable days and the nights on trail, I would have to say that days after resupplies are the worst because you're, you come into a resupply day. And so anybody that, again, that's going to be through hiking this year. And if it's your first time, anytime you come into a resupply checkpoint, your bag is usually at its lightest that it'll ever be, right? So it's light, it's light, it's light. And then all of a sudden you get your resupply and you're back to five, seven pounds heavier, right? And boy, does that suck, especially when you have to climb out of wherever it was that you got your resupply at. So that's usually when I am most uncomfortable on trail. One thing with resupplies too, and I think this is a good word of advice to a potential or future through hikers is most people that I see when they, when they get on trail, when they get off of trail eventually, or if they quit early is when they spend too much time in town. And I heard this from one of my mentors that I had met on a PCT section hike. And basically he had said that the, you need to make sure that you get trail hardened. Okay. And so what he meant by that was there's kind of a break in period. At least there is for me for every single hike or uh, long multi-day backpack that I do. And it can be anywhere from three days. It can be anywhere from a week on the CT. It was basically like a week. I don't know what it was. I could not sleep and I just could not get into a real good rhythm for that. At least the first week. But just know that it's super common. Like, again, a lot of, and that's why I try to show in my videos, you know, a lot of videos will really just show the highlights of a through hike. 
And that makes total sense because that's what everybody wants to see. It's super beautiful. And that's why we're out there. But the truth is with through hiking, there's a lot more dull moments and uncomfortable moments. And there is probably highlights in my opinion. And so knowing that you're not like when my first section hike, I didn't really know. I didn't really understand that. And so when things were hurting, when things weren't going right, I didn't realize that that's kind of how things were supposed to go on a through hike. Through hiking is really about adapting to your, to different situations and problem solving. And I'm going to get into that in uh, another topic that I have down below, but actually why not? I'm just going to combine it right now, which the other topic was someone wanted me to talk about response to difficult situations on a through hike or anything like, right. Through hiking and ultra running, I found a parallel. It's you have to be an effective problem solver and you have to know that and be confident that you're going to figure it out. And that's one of the things that I really, really have came to enjoy about those two sports is the fact that you, you have to rely on yourself and you have to be a good problem solver. You have to be effective with it. And the more you do it, the more confident you'll get in it. But it's, that's just really what it comes down to. The people that I've seen quit are unable to solve those problems. Um, one effective solution for me is to like talk out loud, right? And so when I am encountering an issue or something's not going right or something like that, like I do like to use that type of positive reinforcement, like talking out loud. Like I think it's one thing to think it, but I think it's way more powerful if you actually say it out loud. I don't know. For me, it just convinces me more like I'm in in control. But you know, let's say that your resupply box didn't get in or you know, the, there's a trail closure or you have a rash on your leg. How are you going to solve all that type of stuff, right? And you have to be aware that that is going to happen on these types of adventures. Otherwise we wouldn't go. It's the uncertainty. It's the problem solving. It's the adventure that draws us there again and again to help out in those situations too. You need to have, you need to know your why. And this has kind of been cliche in a lot of different sports of, you know, why are you doing this? Is it for the right reasons? Da, 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 da. But I read a book and it was by uh, Zach Badger Davis, who does the trek. It was called Pacific Crest Trials. And he talked a lot about you need to have reasons as to why you're doing what you're doing. But not only why you're doing what you're doing, you need to have reasons as to what will happen when I complete it. What will happen if I don't complete it? And you should have all those listed out. For me, I always put those in my phone for every single through hike or ultra run that I do. I have these things in my phone because there will be a point if it is long enough. And for long enough, I would say anything over 50 miles that there will, something will come up and you have to, and it's kind of that decision point of, are you going to be able, do you have like the grit to get through that? Or are you, are, is your why not strong enough? Are you doing it for someone else? Right? Because 
when that, when that type of stuff comes up, that's a lot of people are going to be quitting, right? Because it's not their idea. It's not for them. So have your whys down. I have a, I don't know why I have a note there that says a hundred mile. Oh, that's why. To kind of test this out, I think one of the best things that you can do, especially for through hiking is do like a hundred mile section hike of the PCT, of the AT, of wherever the trails are that are closest to you. You're going to find out so much about yourself in that 100 mile hike. And it's going to be a huge launch pad for you. And I would love to hear all about it if that happens. So send me a DM on Instagram because I would love to hear about it. I think that's a very formative experience in someone that is looking to adventure outside. All right. Next one is. Strange convos with people on trail. Well, I guess I have def- I definitely have one story about this. And I know that, I don't know, it, do- it doesn't, it, most people on trail I think are really, really cool. And that's something I was really surprised about was I thought I was going to do all this stuff solo and all that, whatever. You've heard that story before. But there was a guy, <laughs> it was at Big Lake resort in right near near Santa Ann Pass in Oregon and he rolled in there and he had a backpack that was you know I mean the size I mean the size of like a a young adult it was huge and he had a computer in there and he was telling us how he was filtering water through a coffee grinder like a coffee whatever the heck filter that's how he was filtering his water and how he was going to write a book on it. You know, long hair, real long hair, really, really dirty. I mean, dirtier than a regular through hiker. And he was telling us about how he hiked all some here to the PCD and everything stuff just like wasn't adding up. And so eventually we kind of figured out that he, he was some kind of vagabond. I'm not quite, I'm still not quite sure, but very sketch vibes. The problem though, was that at this particular campsite is that we had to actually camp on the premises. And I told the guys that I was with, I said, dude, if this guy is camping next to us, like I'm, I'm out of here. And so we, we were setting up our tents. It looked like he was going to be gone away. And I kind of see him through the trees and he's like by this pond. And he's like, I mean, it just, he just looked out of it. Right. Well, come to find out, I'm like, I already got my stuff set up. He comes over and he starts talking to my one buddy and he's like, oh yeah, do you think I could like camp here? And we're like, I'm like, dude, no. I'm thinking of my tent and my buddy's like, yeah, dude, sure. I'm like, anyway, it ended up where nothing happened, but it was really like one of those, you know, you don't want to listen. Let me tell you this. You don't want to listen to like one of those murder mystery shows before you go and, and do something like this, because that'll put you, uh, your paranoia on red alert, which could be a good thing, I guess. But other than that, I haven't really had too many strange things with people on trail. Thankfully, most, if you think about it this way, most strange people on trail probably aren't going to be in the middle of nowhere to do something right. I mean, there's way easier there's, you can do, I mean, if you were a criminal, there's way more things that you could do with less effort, right. Than hiking in and trying to cause a ruckus. So that's kind of what I remind myself. Like 
I'm not quite sure anybody that would try to do that that far in. Now, I know there has been cases and stuff like that, but in my head, that makes me a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> All right, five. This one's going to be a great one. So I just actually just posted something on this today, and that was boots versus trail runners and favorite trail shoes. So... I know that this is kind of a hot topic, but I have a pretty big opinion on this. I will say that trail runners have absolutely revolutionized uh, my whole hiking. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I really don't want to, but I'll leave you with this. One pound on the foot is equal to five on the back and boots weigh typically a lot more than trail runners. And so in my mind, there's no question that I would switch trail runners at least my ultras that I wear, I never get blisters. They dry out super fast. The one problem with them is that they boots will usually last longer. So if you're going for a budget wise thing, boots are probably better. But as far as light being nimble, no blisters, comfort, it's, it's trail runners all the way for me. Now in the winter, sometimes I'll wear boots, but sometimes I don't even wear boots. Sometimes I just wear trail runners and I'll actually put universal crampons on my trail runners. But if I'm doing a real technical mountain, I will have mountaineering boots. And the difference between trail runners, regular hiking boots and mountaineering boots, and this is something that has taken me a little bit to learn is the fact that trail runners and regular boots, they have flex in them, right? So if you take it, you can like kind of, you know, you take the nose of it or whatever, you can kind of fold it in towards the back of it. Whereas a mountaineering boot, you can't, you can't fold that, right? It's stiff. It's like, there's like a metal bar in there. It feels like. And the reason that is because you can put crampons on there. And when you're going on really vertical snow or vertical ice, right? You can actually do what's called front pointing. And so your crampons have little, they have little like spikes in the front of them. They look like this. And so when it's, when it is a stiff in a stiff boot, it can actually front point into the wall. And so you can just like stick in there, right. And just your way up the wall. Now, as opposed to having trail runners or regular boots that have a ton of flex, you don't get any of that front pointing. So I've learned that mistake the hard way. So mountaineering boots are definitely great for when things are a lot more high angle, but it is kind of a bit rare with some of the stuff that I do, although I am getting into more of that stuff. My trail shoes are the Ultra Timps or the Ultra Lone Peaks. Love them and won't ever switch them. Uh, so another issue or another thing that came up on my Instagram was women's perspective, different women's perspective. So what's actually interesting about my Instagram and my TikTok account, uh, as opposed to my YouTube channel, is that most of my followers are female. So there's a lot of different perspectives that I have to remember and take into account for that. And so one of the things that we're going to have on in the future is uh, some more women on here, which is going to be great. I have a, a ton of women that became friends with on the trail and they are super dope. So that'll be really cool. The last thing was what are my plans for 2022? I actually recently just thought about this uh, the other day and I just planned it out today, which I think I'll actually do another podcast episode about actually how to plan a through hike. 
actually just I'm gonna write down how to plan a through hike because I just did that for the Tahoe Rim Trail today, and so that's the one around Lake Tahoe. I talked about it in a previous episode, but I am gonna do that at the end of June. But I'm also going to do the Wind River High Route, which is a little bit different, where it's a lot more navigating and things like that. A little more challenge, way more challenging terrain, actually. Uh, not a manicured trail or anything like that. So, also, I have plans to summit uh, Mount Rainier, Baker, Adams, Shasta, and then do a couple big trail runs, rim to rim to rim, Timberline Trail, the Three Sisters. And then the big thing for this year, which is why I'm not doing like the long trail. And that is a 100 mile uh, ultra marathon. So that's what we got cooking. That's what we got cooking. So to wrap it up, let's take a look at some cues. JMT tips: Can you camp on the mountain with an Inyo permit? Depends on. Well, first of all, I am not. I am not very good at the permits. It depends with what you, yeah, I think, I think you can, if you're going, I guess, are you going northbound? Because that would be what the Inyo permit would be for, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong though. But yes, you should be able to camp basically wherever you want to with an Inyo permit. We're talking to the group. Ooh. Okay, so we have a comment in here. We talked to a group of guys going up Selden Pass, which I'll say, by the way, that was one of the kind of easier passes on the JMT. Uh, a couple days later, one of them was struck and killed by lightning. Evidently, he was leaning against a tree near Sally Keys. Yeah, so that's why I was saying, like, you don't definitely don't want to be next to the highest tree in the in the area, right? And that. That is a, a very, very good point because as long, at least to my knowledge, as long as you are in kind of like the lower canopy and things like that, the lightning has a way more chance as to hitting some of the higher trees or the peaks around you, right? So that is something that you definitely want to be aware of. But it's not only that, but if lightning hits a tree and it calls, I mean, you've also probably have seen like where trees like get split by the lightning falls down on you or something like that, which is another big hazard of through hiking too actually is widow makers which is basically you know the the where there's like a dead tree and then it'll fall on someone and there was actually a, a PCT hiker unfortunately that got killed by one of those up in Washington right near a bridge and it's why I always like I really make sure that I pick my campsites accordingly and make sure I'm I'm very very picky and very very OCD about my campsites and if there's any type of dead tree around, I am like monitoring that. And I mean, I just, I just won't camp there. The problem is, is that a lot of places now, especially along the PCT have been burnt up. So I would really uh, encourage you not to camp in a burned area just for that reason. Uh, especially, and you'll hear the, the creaking, it's terrible. It's just, it's not a good time. So make sure don't be around the dead trees. But okay, so that'll take care of it. That'll wrap it up. I appreciate everyone being on. We will talk with you for the next live, uh, probably next week. Who knows? I don't even know.